Hey everyone, and welcome to the European VC podcast. Today we have with us Daniel Kuiper Knorr from Speed Invest. We've got, of course, myself as always, your beloved LP hype man. And then we've got Omar Hassan with us to talk about the whole MENA region. And, and of course, this is connected to our, our journey or, or our small expedition into the MENA region in connection to North Star. And everyone listening in, if you love our show, don't forget to drop us a review, follow the pod and subscribe at eu.vc. Tear down this wall. It's more than just an alliance. An alliance. This, this is a union of values, of values. United and determined, we can serve as a model for other regions of the world. The nature of a problem, problem requires a European response. Europe is a story of new beginnings, new, new beginnings. Let's start acting, 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 acting. This show is not investment advice and the hosts of this episode may be invested in the funds and companies featured. So guys, thanks so much for joining me for this interview. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back again. Likewise. Thanks for the invitation. Greetings to everyone out there from Vienna. Daniel, with that out of the way, would you tell us your story, how you got into venture, and then later on we'll get more into Mina? Sure. Again, hello everyone out there. Thanks a lot for the invitation. My journey into venture started over a decade ago, more precisely around 2010, 2009, 2010-2011, when the earnout and lockup period of the tech company that my back then Again, co-founders and, and myself were able to sell in 2006. We were on a three-year earnout period. That one successfully went past. We sat together, thought what could be next, and, and starting a fund back then seemed the most logical and natural thing for us to do. <laughs> well, can say little did we know <laughs> what, what we are getting ourselves into there. We thought it would be super not, not a natural thing to just change sides of table, but well... Again, back to square one on the learning curve. And just to put everything in perspective, I know this story before because we've all spoken to all around the podcast a couple of times. But Daniel, it took you 18 months to raise 10 million for the first fund. And you just four months back or so announced 500 million. So it's been quite a journey. <laughs> You're doing something right, Daniel. Well, doing right. I don't know. We do a lot. That is clear. So to me, well, thanks for this. We are super, obviously super excited about the most recent fundraising success, more so given current market environment, which is, you know, a completely new regime now. But honestly, the, the, the success of that fundraise, that wasn't the result of the past 12 months. That was the result of the work of the past 12 years. Without what we did and the team did in the past decade, that success would never have been possible. So now let's get more into your story, Daniel, because I want to hear a pivotal moment from your life and tell us how that has shaped you as an investor. It's probably had not have been one single moment that, you know, shaped, I don't know, the career, the, the life investment as an investor or the mindset as an investor. I think it's a series of events. My closer team, including Oliver Werner and, and some other guys and myself, we are in the tech and innovation. And now we see ecosystem for almost the past 25 years. 
We started a tech company in the midst of the burst of the Nasdaq bubble back then. We brought it through all ups and downs, nearly went bankrupt, hustled along, got it to a successful trade sale back in 2006, and then set out to launch our first fund in 2010 in the midst of the global financial crisis. So the second fund we launched in 2015 at the peak of the Euro debt crisis, so let alone what all happened next, right? A pandemic, a war, things nobody ever would have thought possible in, in, in nowadays time. But what we learned, including myself, is probably timing does play a critical role, but you can't time this market. And I can only speak for the, the pre-seed and seed stage of the in, in investment part of the business. That might be different further downstream when it goes closer to IPO territory, but in the very early stages, this market is untimely. But that might also be the reason why we have not seen valuations come off that far as we, we, we witnessed in later stages. So what it, a series of events, an untimable market, yeah, luck does play a role, but then again, not such a large role as, every, as many people might think. But, but what we learned out of all these crises, they all they vary in their, in their rooting causes, in their triggering effect, events. And, and, but there are some things all these crises share in common, common, most notably two things. Once they are over, and after them, the world looks different, very much different. And I think venture is exactly, this is where the opportunity lies, right? In these big shifts, be it societal, technological, environmental, financial, you name it. You know, if in, in it's a long-term game. This is what we learned that shaped us clearly. And if those large changes happen and if, if, if you know, values change, in a society, in an economy, the attached valuations change tenfold. And these are the things that I think that, that, that really makes venture so fantastic. It's not to be neglected the, the importance of, of, of having experience. And we're definitely seeing that in the market now that there are some young, young bucks like myself that, that have been a bit more surprised with what it looks like now compared to before than most of the more senior leadership that we have in our community. Take a star. Now, Daniel, I would love to ask you to take a stance on this quote by Agathe Freeman from Norskin VC. My super, super controversial statement and question is, is the current downturn really going to be that bad? Well, very clearly to me, every downturn or name it crisis or, you know, market takes another direction, they always offer opportunity. Markets go in cycles. There are times to sell and there are times to buy. This now is clearly a time to buy. And, and for those who really mean it, this market time is... Is, is offering tremendous opportunity. And I think also that I think this market time, when you, when you touch on opportunity and it's offering great opportunities in places you least expected. I think that, and I think this, it, it, these moments like this where when you're a VC or an investor, it's really time to get out and look at new opportunities, new geographies, new markets, uh, and unearth some gems. I could dive for 
a long, long time into your latest fundraise and how you navigated the troubling times of, of 2022 and 2023. I will not do that, though. I would much rather that we get into the core of dealing with the GCC and, and thinking about MENA as a, as a region as a whole, because you've got quite some experience there. If I'm not wrong, I think you had capital raised for your second fund, meaning your 2015 vintage as, as the first one from the MENA region. And, and then you've also actually done nine investments in the region, which I think to many will come as a surprise because we're used to thinking of speed investors as purely a European player. So I'd love for you to first tell us your story with the region, how you got there, why you got there. And then afterwards, we'll dive into these specificities about both investing there, but also sourcing capital from the region. Super happy to share. So. As so often, things start out of opportunities that just arise from unexpected corners. And that was the case also with us. You're right, it was the second fund vintage 2015, where we happened to win a Bahraini family office over to, to, to write an LP check in, in our back then fund. And as so often, at Speed Invest, we are taking a... A, a slow approach to things. We never try to to force stuff and overdo it. We we you need VC is a long term game. You need also on both sides of the business model on investing and and capital raising. You need to give things time to grow. And and so we did with with addressing that market. We won the first LP from the region back in 2015. We raised a fund in 2017 where we got a Qatari LP in. Then we raised the twenty uh, the twenty nineteen fund generation, which was our first really large fund, almost two hundred million in, in in volume, where we started to where we were able to win I think four or five more family offices, and and it's all mostly family office dominated LPs that we we, we did not shoot for the you know the large the obvious targets sovereign wealth funds from the region because we know we we need to build our brand first. We need to get, you know, build relationship, establish relationship, foster relationships. Typically, when you talk to LPs, it's not for the current fund, but for the fund next. So in three to five years time. And this we did and it, it, it played out. And, and with the current fundraise or the past one from, from Vintage 2022, we, we broke into the, the, the more, you know, sovereign wealth territory, but still winning, winning LPs over from the family office and private sector side of the market. Uh, which to us, it's important to have a balanced LP base. We don't want to have, to, you know, a few single, a few large LPs come in. We rather play for a, a broad-based, a balanced LP base for a number of reasons. And then we came across attractive investment opportunities. And one thing is to know, so true, we are a European fund. 80 to 90% of our capital we do deploy in Europe, but there'll be 10, 10 to 15% allowance we may deploy in selected global emerging markets. And and the, the MENA region is, is very high on our list here. As I said before, we have in MENA that includes so Turkey, Egypt, Arabic Peninsula, and Pakistan, nine investments so far, predominantly in fintech and marketplaces. So these are our two strong topics. They have been good to us ever since we started from 2011. The biggest successes, biggest outcomes have been from these two sectors. And there where we have the largest investment teams, what we think that the most experience and the most knowledge in, in, in these topics, we are venturing out into more distant geographies. 
Daniel, I'm, I'm just going to go back a step or two because I, I actually didn't know that your first LP was from Bahrain, which makes it even more fascinating because I think for a lot of European PCs or American PCs, when they think of the region and LPs, Bahrain would probably be fifth on the list. And that's, there's only five countries in the GCC. What's that? How was that experience, I guess? And if you compare... That was the first time I did dealing with the Bahraini LP and bringing that family on board because 2015 was quite early on for a family to invest into venture capital. It was still a very early ecosystem. And then, so that experience. But secondly, how would you compare the LP experience from a family perspective in the GCC compared to your experience in Europe and that kind of the mindset or, you know, the process that you go through? comparing ecosystems per se is always difficult each ecosystem is is individual for itself and and but i know what you mean so what the experience was it's it's probably a, a more relational business world than in other parts of the globe that is true but super professional and and, and bahrain is actually um, historically was the first country to step out into the global financial markets corp originates from bahrain only few people know one of the first global PE firms taking, you know, buying into the Italian-European luxury brand market, the House of Gucci movies, they, they place to this a bit. So super professional, you know, European-American educated, trained business experience from global investment banks, but still a relational business world. So I mean, you still need to be relations. You can't professionally pitch, of course, but you need to come with the right mindset. It will take time. It should also take time. You know, as, as maybe a bit more than in Europe and the US, you need to have the long-term perspective in building relations. But once you, you break into that relation, they, the, the, the family offices that we work with, they keep following up with every fund generation in then very swift processes, often far quicker in decision than then repeat the LPs from Europe. So it's definitely worth the effort. And I, and I agree with you about the relationship side of it. I think, you know, I've, I've often said to people, if you want to learn how to do it here, you might as well speak to Daniel because you, you do get that relationship side really well and you've developed us. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a few things maybe worth, you know, being aware of. Travel the region frequently, also in between funds, not just go there every three years when you have a, a, a new fund to raise. The, the people there... They, they value if you show up in between. To me personally, the best time to raise is just after a successful raise. So don't, you know, go on holiday with the announcement of the closing. Take the next three months and book your business trips and go on holiday then. That's the, the, the first quarter after a successful raise is the best time to go to the market because the LP is not in danger of being pitched. And then they want to talk. So travel the region frequently, stay there for a week, be available. Also, you know, use Jitex as a as a hook and, and be there and to give a try to give a bit back to the to, to, to the ecosystem. Be there for, you know, ask me anything sessions for the young entrepreneurs in the region. That's super valuable and helpful. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, right? I, I love to ask you the question, Daniel, that this is what you often hear that that there is an interest in in, in seeing VCs that try to raise in the region also show that they're active in the region. Have you seen it being fruitful that you're also deploying there? Because nine investments out of, you know, God knows how many Speedinvest does, 
isn't a, isn't a lot, of course, but I would guess that it's something that is that is received with, with quite open arms. A, a VC that invests in the region is clearly standing out of the crowd of all the others who don't. However, there are LPs who specifically look to get their money deployed outside of the region. There are other LPs who, and to some it's even a mandate or mandatory that you deploy in the region specifically when, for example, as we see, they need to see money coming back into being deployed in the region. But this is the, the same concept as the European, say, tax money investors like KFW and BPI and, and others have. It's a, a normal, natural, logical thing. However, in, in, also for those that expect their money to deploy it outside of the region, talking to a VC that de actually deploys in the region makes a difference. You are perceived different than the others. You are, you are perceived more understanding, bringing more understanding for the region, the culture, the people, the society, everything, the economy as well. It sets one apart. Definitely. And this, I experience this every time I travel there. From the moment they realize that we also deploy in the region, the conversation gets to a completely different level. One of the things that I think, I mean, since 2015, I mean, you've been here many times. How have you seen the evolution of the tech in the region? Because a lot of people have a perspective that there isn't innovation in the region to, to invest in. How, is that, how have you seen the evolution? Because You've done the nine deals, you know, where have you seen the best evolution or where's the kind of the key areas? First ob observation probably is that it's developing super fast. Leapfrogging, um, they come to where they're headed, uh, see. Um, so, uh, obviously just spoke to men of G42, uh, day, um, Abu Dhabi Sovereign Wealth Strategic, uh, sir, a big master plan behind, uh, and goes everywhere, um, to bring the region to the forefront of the technological development and, and that on, on, on global scale and with global importance. That is clearly the case. Um, there is capital available to do so. Um, maybe one, one more point, um, our investments that don't, don't get us wrong. We are not, you know, predominantly investing there to get access to LPs. We invested because we believe in the, in the investment opportunity in the region. Um, thriving economies, societies, um, very promising. Um, specifically fintech investments, for example, makes that makes very much sense to us. So we, we would not invest if we wouldn't believe in in quality of founders and in size of the opportunity. There's not many that successfully run a scam, <laughs> especially not for multiple generations, and that's what VC is all about. So I think anyone getting the idea that that you can do something like that. I think you're just setting yourself up for the same type of failure as you are if you're thinking that you can jump on a plane for Jitex and then you'll come back with money in your suitcases. Omar, would you maybe pitch in a bit here on what you've heard Daniel say compared to what you've experienced yourself as well, but also what you have, have seen from other investors? No, I mean, I think Daniel's spot on. I mean, we, we started to do these, these trips in 20. 15, 16. And I think I'll say to you before, Andreas, you know, back then the technology that was being developed in the region was very regional. You know, you'd have a company basically maybe develop starting a, project, a company in Egypt and then scale into Dubai. And then the Holy Grail is to, to scale to Saudi. That was kind of the, the traditional path or Jordan, Dubai and Saudi. 
And I think that made it difficult for investors coming from Europe or the US because actually you're used to looking at technology that can go global or scale globally. And that's, you know, that's where you're looking to make your return. But I think where we are now is in particular in the last two years, the mindset has changed. And I think Daniel would would have seen this through things like Jitex and Northstar, is that you're seeing much more innovation that's not necessarily looking at the GCC or the Arab people, but maybe looking at the continent as a whole, as, as, as sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, you're seeing technology the entrepreneurs build technology that can go potentially global. And I think from a, a venture perspective, I think the local ecosystem VCs is looking at investing beyond the region as well and looking wider at the wider continent. I think what has been really interesting is the change in positioning the UAE in particular as a global gateway. You know, it's not just about coming to Northstar to see technology in the UAE or venture capital in the UAE. It's actually bringing sub-Saharan Africa. It's bringing Asia, you know, bringing India, bringing Pakistan. You know, we're talking, we're looking as far as down as Nigeria, as Kenya. So I think that's what's been a real evolution of the UAE, evolution of the ecosystem of it becoming a global gateway. And I think that's what's kind of made it a lot more attractive for venture capital to come this way. And I think, Daniel, if I'm wrong, I might be wrong, but I'm sure I'm right. One of your portfolio companies has scaled from Holland to Dubai because they're servicing the African market, they're serving the regional market. I think it's, it's called Move. Am I, am I right? Yeah, super happy to, to, to share the story of our portfolio company, Move, originally out of Lagos, Nigeria a fintech offering a car finance for ride-hailing drivers purchased the next vehicle. So super successful, originally sourced by one of our team members, Speed Invest again, one of the first funds on the cap table there. That company actually relocated from Lagos to Dubai, using Dubai now as their, their hub for the global expansion. Just, you know, imagine the story fintech company out of Lagos moving to Dubai and, and from there exporting their product to, to European capitals such as London, Paris and other large cities like Milan and, and others because nobody over here in Europe can do what they do as good as they do it. They are just outpacing the market on every on every vector and, and Dubai, Dubai acts as the hub for the global expansion. They moved there, I think, a year or two years back Dubai ideally positioned, you know, the, the tax regime that they offer, the fact that they're in between time zones, you know, three hours ahead of Europe, four hours lagging to Eastern Asia, that allows them having several business hours of time overlap. But that alone is worth a ton, allows companies to, to operate various regions in the world from, from, from one single office. Everything around availability of, of talent, attractiveness to talent to move there. People from I, I, I know many people from Europe moving to, to Abu Dhabi or, or Dubai respectively to, to set up, you know, set up shop and, and reset up their whole lives packing like Omar, you did. Packing family yeah. and, and moving to Dubai. I was chasing the sunshine more than anything, to be honest, from London. <laughs> that is also an additional aspect. Well, 
warm climate, super efficient, you know, government processes, far advanced in, in many respects over what we are used to here in, in Europe. I mean, I can remember back Dubai was one of the first airports I ever went through those electronic passport gates. Yeah. And how swiftly everything worked, this is, that is just amazing. Totally off subject now. Now you don't need to take your passport out of your pockets when you go through the airport. But so, I still need to bring one, right? You still need to bring one just for the guy at the boarding gate. That's it. Not for anybody else. Yeah. And, and, and then again, the other day, that, that trip to Sofia I took last week, it wasn't until the airport that I realized that I needed a passport. By luck, I got it in my pocket. I would wow. have bounced on the gates, right? And that's just an hour and a half flight from Vienna. And down there, you don't even have to pull the passport from your pocket to be allowed to enter the country. Now, Daniel, I'd love to ask you to give a shout out to co-investor Angel LP that you just think is far more awesome than anyone would expect. Well, given our whole history, where we come from, starting from a friends and family S SPV back in the early 2010s in Vienna, there probably was one personality, person, business angel who, who believed in us from I can't even say day one. It was more like day 0 0.9. And, and, and that is, that is clearly kind of Hansi Hansmann, the gentleman is called a great person. I, I might assume you have heard of him. He was awarded European business angel of the year. So not so much of a, of a secret, but without him, the, 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 the Viennese and the, the wider Austrian ecosystem would be nowhere near where it is now. We could only build Speed Invest to a large degree to his foundational work. Tremendous investor, good person, other than my my, my terrific co-founders, of course. But outside Speed Invest, it would be probably be him. I think we need to get Hansi to North Star in October. Probably. Yeah, that's done. It's his book. This, ladies and gentlemen, is where you see direct sales going to a very <laughs> senior businessman that reflects and says probably. <laughs> a wise friend always said, always be raising. ABF, exactly. It'd be, always be fundraising. Daniel, I'd love to ask you to just give us your three biggest learnings. And we've been chatting away here, so we won't be able to dive too deep, but I just love our audience to be able to get them from you. Biggest learnings in life, where, you know, life is so much more than business, right? We, we have a five-year-old at home now, and, and that literally changed everything. It, it re, to, totally recalibrated all perspectives on life you, you had. Before that, life was very much centered around business. That's no longer the case, and I think that's also a good thing. It, it, it allows you and forces you and, and enables you to, to, to put the right focus on things. But, but when it comes to business... I think is specifically the last three quarters told many people in our industry to us being the more, you know, in the, in the, in the gray back corner of the market, all markets go in cycles. They all do. So does ours. And, and the, the, the reset in valuations and, and, and everything is only a natural thing that the last cycle was stretched artificially through, through the, the, the COVID episode. And but literally the, the interest rate cycle in the US was over in the summer of 2019. They had already interest rates up to two and a half to three quarters, I think. 
then was smacked down again to zero for, for COVID recovering programs. So another artificial twist, the, the harder the, the, the hit had to be now. All markets go in cycles. That's what I think we, we all learn. Then also one thing probably that you always meet twice in your life. So just be nice, right? <laughs> it's just no point in not being nice. You don't know where that one person that you have just not been nice to may, may de might emerge from a totally unexpected corner two years away from now. And they better have you in good memories. And I think um, to our audience, Daniel, with Omar just before this recording, and I said, what is there for me to know? What should I know, Omar? Then Omar said, well, Daniel is the nicest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> but, 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 but I I said one of the nicest because if they want to leave Andreas out of it. Yes, not... you were kind enough. You were kind enough to leave a bit of a leeway for my own yeah. imagination yeah. of my grandeur. I, I, th I, I think without embarrassing him, I think especially in our space in venture, and in the startup world, it's, you come across people who genuinely would email you or message you afterwards and say something to you along the line of, what can I do to help? And I think that's Daniel, and I think it's a testament to him as a person, but also a testament to speed investment. And from what I've seen over the last four or five years in the way you guys do things, not, not often you see you meet people that live by those values. So, no, Daniel, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Obviously, great to hear, but that goes directly to all of our team in, in, in the offices who, who, who live and breathe that spirit day in, day out. And, you know, we have 80 people on the ground in six offices and we bump into people more, more than probably many other firms. And, and the more touch points that the outer world you have, the more important it is, I think, to just be nice. Right. Yeah. And then an, an, a third thought, I touched upon this earlier on. There is a certain element of luck to business, but then again, much less than many people would think. Luck can only play out if you're prepared to be lucky, right? And have a clear vision or a clear thesis or a clear idea where you want to go. And then if an opportunity arises, you can take a quick decisions that to an outsider may, may appear as pure luck. Yeah. Of course, you can get unlucky. And that's the... The other effect of luck that it can have, but uh, but if you need to, if you need luck to happen to make your business prosper, then I think you are you you might give it a rethink. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have to be open to you know serendipity to to opportunistic developments like that one you know relationship I had to that one guy who happened to run the Bahraini family office, right? That opened a whole new world for us. But obviously, once you have it, you need to work on it. That's maybe the, the three learnings that will prevail over time. Others come and go. They are, you know, you know, realize stuff and then you forget it again. But these three things, I think they will stand true also in the, through the next couple of cycles to come. And also, kind of, I've always struggled with aging, right? But since about, since about February, March 2020, I'm happy the age I am. Been there, done. It must, there. Be, it must be tough being twenty-five years old, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That would imply that I started my career in child labor. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was something dirty to the speed and rush story. <laughs> child labor. <laughs> you know, we all have our shadows in the past. I used to work in investment banking before, but that's ages ago. Yeah, I used to squat buildings, so. Let's let's uh, head very quickly into the quick fire round. And now the quick fire.
You know the format, all of you, I think, but just to recap, it's the round where we will ask you quick answer questions. Are you ready for it, Daniel? Hope so. <laughs> yeah, the stress is on now. What advice would you give to your own 10-year younger self? You'd be surprised where you've been 10 years. Second question, what are be... your top tips for emerging VCs across Europe who are fundraising? ABF, always be fundraising. It's not something that you can do in cycles. These times are over to my firm belief. Absolutely. What's the most counterintuitive thing you've learned since you started in venture? Well, in hindsight, nothing is counterintuitive, right? So it's, it's, I literally don't have an answer here. But don't expect things to be counterintuitive if you look at them somewhere later. In the hindsight, they are not counterintuitive. It's a part of human nature that you erase those those moments where you had a, a false view on, on, on reality. Thanks a million guys so much for joining us for this episode where we hopefully unbeknownst to our audience had a bunch of tech hiccups. So thank you gentlemen for, for, for bearing with us. Daniel, Morris. thank you so much. It was great talking. See you guys soon. Tear down this wall. It's more than just an alliance. This, this is a union of values, of values. United and determined, we can serve as a model for other regions of the world. The nature of a problem, problem requires a European response. Europe is a story of new beginnings, new, new beginnings. Let's start acting. Acting, acting.